Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast, back at it again. Monday, December 27th, just witnessed Ian Book versus Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Little Notre Dame, uh, <laughs> Alabama action. And, uh, and yeah, it happened what we thought would happen. You know, we'll, we'll dive into a little bit of that. Uh, some thoughts I, I saw tonight uh, that it was story broke that Trent Baalke is going to stay as the GM for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who I think a lot of people view, you know, with the young quarterback, depending on who you talk to, is a really good job still. A uh, couple thoughts there, and then a lot going on. We'll dive in all over the league, some NFC East thoughts, you know, the Eagles, the Cowboys, Sean McVay and Matt Stafford. Brandon Staley, little the guy's become a little bit too much of a politician for me for a guy that makes Rex Burkhead look like Walter Payton. It's like, bro, he's a little too big of a cheese ball in the press conferences for someone who's a defensive guy and whose defense can't stop a nosebleed. Just, I've had enough. I'm out. I'm out. Twitter likes you that much. I'm out on you. It really that simple. Uh, in the Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff, the Instagram is my Instagram handle. Slide up into those DMs. I'm going to save the mailbag, I think, for Friday. We'll have a big Friday show. Maybe I'll maybe we'll put out the podcast Thursday. I'll have to think about that because I guess Friday is a holiday. And I'm already kind of liking a, a little bit of an upset. little upset city. Maybe Cincinnati Bearcats against Alabama. Uh, but we'll, we'll, let, we'll marinate on that for a little bit. And let's start with what we witnessed tonight. And let's face it. I thought this weekend was borderline silly. 
you know, all these teams playing with 10, 15, 20 guys out on COVID lists. I mean, you're playing with guys that it's one thing to, you know, you get a guy breaks his leg, you move up a guy from the practice squad. It's another thing to just sign guys off the street and have to start at right tackle. We, we saw it happening all over the league. Now, listen, I was watching tonight, you know, obviously, you know, where I live, I want the 49ers to make the playoffs, but I refuse to root. It's one thing to root for a team. Like if you're a Titans fan, you want the Chiefs to win, lose so you can get the number one seed. You're a Bucks fan. You want Dallas or Green Bay to lose so you get the number one seed. Okay, that's really good teams, you know, fighting for top seeding. I, I can't get behind rooting for teams to win or lose when you're fighting for a six or seven seed. Again, I maybe I'm not as emotionally tied, though financially I am. I couldn't get behind it. But Ian Book, and listen, if you're going to be Ian Book and start one career game, because more than likely that'll be the only game he ever starts in his career, you would want it to be on Monday Night Football. Now, and if you are going to get your ass kicked, which he did, not all of his fault, uh, you'd want so everyone could watch, especially in a holiday week. And... Uh, it also shows you Ian Book, really good athlete. He's actually from Sacramento. I mean, I bet he's when he played at Notre Dame, beside maybe the game they played against Alabama, he was always one of the better athletes on the field. Every single time tonight when he tried to run around, Miami defensive tackles chased him down. It's always crazy when you see a guy that's a really good athlete. I'll never forget when Johnny Manziel, it was his first or second start. It was against Carolina, and it was against Luke Keekley. And, and Johnny was used to just running away from guys outside of the pocket. He got outside the pocket. He tried to get to the corner. Luke Keekley caught him in like three steps. It's like, this ain't Mississippi State, brother. And uh, it, it's, you know, it's that was a hard situation for him to be in. And on the flip side, Brian Flores, you know, I don't know all the details why they picked Tua. Uh, one thing we never know as fans, how I know a lot of people in the NFL, uh, you, you never truly get all the details when things go wrong. And an underrated part of the job is owners have a lot of pull. And Tua was such a famous player. There is a chance, I don't have any inside information, that the owner made them take Tua. Maybe there's a chance that Brian Flores loved Tua. Maybe it was his GM. I don't know. Clearly, they would want a do-over on that pick. But I was just texting a buddy in the NFL. If they got a do-over, that does that mean every team gets a do-over? Because if we did a do-over, a.k.a. a redraft, Joe Burrow's probably going one, but I'll tell you who's going two. It's Justin Herbert. The Washington football team, Ron Rivera, is taking him. I, I watch a lot of Pac-12 football. Don't really know why. Hasn't been very good the last several years, but I'm a sucker for it. It's my conference. It's my teams. I, I feel very, it's like the NL West in baseball, the NFC West in football. You know, the Pac-12. Some, if you live in the South, you watch the SEC. You watch the AFC or NFC South. We all have different things that we grew up on. They just feel very natural, comfortable, however you want to describe it. And I wa- I love Justin Herbert in terms of the physical attributes, the intelligence. I didn't think he was going to be this good. Neither did the Chargers. Obviously, the Miami, if they knew, they wouldn't have taken Tua. Because you watch Tua, and you go, you know, he's not as good as Mac. If I had to choose Mac or Tua, I would take Mac. And if you've listened to me for a while, I'm not the biggest Mac guy, but I think Mac is a better player than Tua. For Mr. Accuracy, he's really not that accurate. There are a couple throws a night. He's just off on like quick slants. Now, he does throw a beautiful deep ball, but I give Brian Flores credit because it felt, I mean, at one point in time, the Eagles, they had their pick. It was going to be in like the top five. It looked like they were destined to win three or four games. And you look up tonight, 
And listen, have they beat some crappy opponents? Yes, but you can only beat who you play, and now they're 8-7. and seven. And there's a decent chance that, you know, they get to 9-8. and eight. When you're 1-6, and six, I think they were 1-6 and six or 1-7. and seven. If they were 1-7, and seven, they would have won seven straight games. So maybe they were 1-6. and six. To, to, to have a potential of being over 500 is a great coaching job. If Brian Flores, I, 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 I was thinking about this tonight, and I'll talk about Brandon Staley uh, later in the podcast. If he made as much effort as Brandon Staley to make the media like him in press conferences, he would be beloved. Instead, he gets a ton of shit because he comes from the Belichick school. He's not worried in his press conferences making people like him. And sometimes he's just edgy. And I kind of appreciate that. He's not a politician when he gets in front of the mic. But when I watch him coach, he's a defensive coach. And guess what? His defense is good. Is his quarterback a little questionable? Yes. Uh, but that, I mean, they just drafted the wrong guy. But they, they've coached around it. And back-to-back years, they're, they're competing for a playoff spot. I mean, last year they went 10-6. and six, And they missed the playoffs because it took 11 to get in the AFC. This year you go 9-8. and eight, You're right there in the mix. Given how you started, that's an impressive season. They have the 49ers draft pick in the first round, so it's not like they don't have a first-round pick. Now, we'll see how the Niners play the next couple weeks, so that pick could end up anywhere from 15 to you know low 20s. But I think Brian Flores is a good football coach. You know, I, you know his defenses are good. His team is just... The ship was sinking this year. They were talking about trading their quarterback in the middle of the season. They had to come out with reports that the owner you know, got their back and wasn't going to fire him. That building was essentially on fire without being on fire. And somehow he just kept it afloat, and they just kept on sailing. And now they're still competing. I have a lot of respect for that guy. Because it goes back to New England. Remember when Matty Patricia got the Lions job, and their defense was terrible, and then Flores took over the Patriots, and their defense was good? You know, that sometimes you see that with a coordinator. It's like one guy coached the same defensive players, the other guy took over, and they were better. And then we've seen him be a head coach at a team that, you know, in my adult life, the last 20 years, the Dolphins, for the most part, have been pretty shitty. He makes them pretty damn competitive with a pretty below average, below might be strong, average at best quarterback, slightly below average quarterback. They're really good on defense, and he's a defensive guy. Uh, so you got to give, you know, the Dolphins just refused to stop fighting where a lot of teams would have imploded. Another story that I saw, uh, and listen, I, I, I've said this before on the podcast, and sometimes I, you know, I have people that have been listening for a long time. You know, the number show, Business is Booming, we got a lot of new people listening. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know if everyone's heard me say this. I can only go off my interactions with someone. I, I think we can all relate to that. You know, I'm, I'm sure during the Christmas times, when you're around your family, just a lot of gossip comes up, right, about people we all know, right, family, friends, whatever, and everyone gives their side of the story. Sometimes people claim that so-and-so's an asshole or so-and-so's a great person. You go, God, in my interactions, it's the opposite, right? For the most part, if someone treats us well or is nice to us, we're going to like them, even if a lot of other people tell us they don't like the person. And in my interactions with the guy, Trent Balky treated me well. He was always cool to me. But a lot of people, and let me repeat, a lot of people that I know do not like him. And his reputation around the NFL is not great. People think, you know, again, this is not my opinion because he treated me well, but a lot of people think he's an asshole. And Urban Meyer, somehow he got his way to becoming a GM and Urban Meyer gets fired. And then Rap Sheet said today, or I saw it right before the uh, Monday Night Football game, is that he's going to basically run the coaching search. And I saw Benjamin Albright, who lives in Denver, but covers the NFL and knows a lot of people. 
and I think Florio tweeted this out too. Like, I don't know if that's going to make it easier for them to hire a coach. Remember several years ago when Joe Banner was running the Browns and no one would take the job? And I think people started telling Jimmy Haslam, like, no one's going to take your head coaching job with this guy as your president. And he eventually fired him. Like, you know, in this day and age too, it's hard. Because so many coaches that have some juice want to bring in their own GM. Whether that's the right way to go or not, it's one thing if it's Sean Payton or Andy Reid or a guy with a long history of winning. It's another thing for some of these young coaches you know, to just think that they get to do everything. And it's a balance, right? But if you want to hire Byron Leftwich, and you have, in theory, a pretty good job because you have Trevor Lawrence, you have some cap space, you have a lot of good young players. But I just wonder, like, let's face it, even if you don't know him personally, and, and listen, Jim Harbaugh is a nut. He is a crazy SOB. I have a soft spot for him. I'm going to bet on Michigan this weekend. I'm a Jim Harbaugh fan, but I'll be the first to admit he's crazy. So it's not all Trent Baalke's fault, but they had a pretty public breakup. You know, they butted heads big time. And Trent was kind of known. He backstabbed some coaches, fired guys, and just was always kind of a survivor. And it's the nature of the business, right? Because when you become a GM, you start making seven figures. Everyone answers to you. You don't want to give up that job. Like you, I have friends in the NFL that, you know, think this guy's a backstabber. and that. Like there's a lot of backstabbing going on, especially the higher you get in the profession. But I do just wonder how difficult it's going to be for them to get the exact guy they want. And is Trent Baalke going to want a guy that's going to want some juice? Or is he going to want a guy that just takes orders from him? And Brian Dayball left with some of these guys, like they might have some options. Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl. Now, he's a mature guy. He's been around the block. But he also came from Philadelphia where, you know, the front office has a lot of juice and he's been through that. Does he want to go through that again? Because I think it's fair to say that the, the Jags need a little bit of experience to get around this young phenom who has looked pretty bad this season. You know, but young quarterbacks sometimes have bad starts. But he didn't just go from this highly touted can't-miss guy to sucking in a year. Now, he may never live up to the hype. And I, I, if I was a betting man, if you said, John, $5,000, does Trevor Lawrence become a borderline Hall of Famer or does he become an average to below quarterback? I would bet on the latter, Right. But that doesn't mean that he can't turn around. Coaches have such big impact. But I will be fascinated to see, do people want to work for Trent Baalke? And I'll talk a little bit later about Joe Judge. It is complicated, right? When you have incumbent GMs or when you have incumbent coaches, like there's a hierarchy. And there are, and coaches love poo-pooing this. It's going to be collaborative. It's going to be collaborative. Like, yeah, we've all grown up in a house, right? The mom or dad either points to the other like, Jeff, Joan, Bill, James, Megan, you know, mom, dad, someone has to make a decision. Say it all the time. It's much easier to make suggestions. Someone eventually has to make a decision. And in a draft room, it's either the coach or it's the GM. So they can say, well, you know, we, we, we collaborate. We get on the same page. Eventually, someone grabs the fucking magnet from the wall. You don't both go up there with each hand and grab the magnet together. That's not the way it works. In the history of the sport. Hell, in the history of sports, right? There's one person for the San Francisco Giants making decisions. There's one person for the LA Dodgers making decisions. Now, there are a lot of people in the room. Same deal with the Miami Heat. You want to sign a player? Pat Riley signing off on it. Now, Eric Spolster has a lot of input. He, I'm sure, can has his ear. And Pat Riley might rely on him for certain stuff. But at the end of the day, if Pat Riley wants to do something, they're going to do it. Just like forever with the New York Yankees. If George Steinbrenner wanted it, he was getting it. If the Dallas Cowboys, if Jerry Jones really wants it, 
is happening. It doesn't mean that he doesn't rely on several people, his head coach, his, you know, his top scout, whatever. But ultimately, there's only one person. Like, when you got grounded, one parent looked at the other. And I, I've, obviously, in my home, it was always my dad. I was in other homes as my friends growing up. Their mom, you know, kind of dropped the hammer. But it was always one person. Because one person was always, I don't want to say indifferent or deferential to a situation, but was just would kind of pass the buck. And anyone, we've all been in these situations, if you were older than like 25, if you've worked normal jobs, where eventually it gets to a point where someone has to decide. And I just wonder if people want to stake their career on Trent Balky picking their roster. You know, because as a head coach, if you're going to take a job, and we're gonna we're right around the corner from that season, right? We are if you're listening to this on Tuesday, we're five days and a week away from Black Monday and the coaching topics. Who's going to take what job? Who's getting hired where? It's a fun topic. Don't get me, don't get it twisted. I love talking about it. But that is a huge element of these people taking the jobs. Who do I answer to? Who do I report to? Do I get to pick the players? Does the ro- do I only get to set the roster on game days? Do, does he get to draft the players? And it's easy to everyone act like it's kumbaya, but... Certain people just are a little more alpha than others. They want to make the decision. Some people don't care. But most people don't care until they start losing games. And I I think it's a fascinating kind of dynamic that the way the league has changed, right? When Matt Rule got, however, $62 million to go be the Panthers, it was clear he was going to pick the players. You can put a guy in the GM spot. He answers to Matt Rule. He just does. You know, there are rare situations. Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis, they've worked together for 15 years. Andy Reid has known Brett Veach for over almost two decades. So yeah, he's proven and Andy lets him pick the players. But if Andy wanted to, he could pick the players. He relies on Veach because he trusts them. But it's taken them and I was there when the trust was being born, right? And it's it's continued to grow. Same thing, John Schneider and Pete Carroll. You know, John Schneider earned that trust over time. But when you first start working with each other, you know, it doesn't just happen. I think I would imagine if you just had drinks with Dan Campbell and his GM or Arthur Smith and his GM in Atlanta in some of these newly formed relationships, like they're not true believers in each other. Uh, They may have disagreed on this. They may have agreed on that. They may have listened to him on one thing. Like it just takes, it's like any relationship, Right. Especially, and unlike like our dating lives, when you start dating someone, it's usually really good at the beginning. Most coaching lives, especially when you get hired as a new, especially a young coach, you're going to a terrible team. So it's going to be tough. It's actually going to test the relationship. Most of our normal relationships, whether it's a business partnership or a significant other, if you get tested early on and it's really ugly, like you would be in like a three-win season, you probably wouldn't last. But if you do... It's meant to be. Let me tell you about my friends at FanDuel. Playoffs are almost here. And to help you stay on top of the action, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving you a $10 bonus when you place $20 in same-game parlay bets. Bet on a single game or spread your bets across multiple matchups. It's up to you. As long as you bet $20 in same-game parlays during the same week of NFL action. Do you know what I like this weekend? The Chiefs play the Bengals. Probably the best game of the weekend. I can't wait for it. I like the Chiefs to cover. I like Travis Kelsey when he returns from the COVID list to score a touchdown. And I like Joe Burrow to throw a touchdown. 
So lock in some winners today, and you'll enjoy a $10 bonus on FanDuel. New to FanDuel Sportsbook? Sign up today with the promo code Colin to also receive a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code Colin so they know I sent you. Exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-800-GAMBLER, or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee, visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so 
there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's start with the NFC East. And for a long period of time, it was called the NFC Least. And a lot of people made fun of it. And obviously this year with the Cowboys bouncing back, it no longer quite feels like that because it has one, you know, I think it's fair to call them a powerhouse team. And then it had the Eagles, which let's face it, when they hired Nick Sirianni, uh, he, you know, he had some Jim Tom Sula vibes in terms of his press conference. And you can never make, you know, grand decisions, justifications, beliefs off one individual press conference, but it's pretty hard to lose the opening press conference. And he kind of did. I mean, it, it was a disaster. And then they started two and five. And it didn't look good. They deserve a lot of credit. And him specifically deserves a lot of credit. He's won games with multiple quarterbacks. He's made Jalen Hurts be very competent. Now, I, I, I retweeted this video yesterday of Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's clearly a smart football player understanding offense. And if you think about it, he learned from Saban, he learned from Lincoln Riley, and then he spent a year under Doug Peterson and now with Sirianni. Uh, He's a pretty high-level cat. Now, I think sometimes as a thrower in a vacuum, not ideal, but they can work around it and they have a lot of talent on the team. But the Eagles, like I said, who started 2-5, and are now 8-7. and And play the football team, there's a pretty good chance they're getting to 9 wins. If you get to 9 wins... Obviously, you will have an above 500 record. I don't think any human alive would have, at that opening press conference, but then early on in the season when they were well under 500, would have picked them to, uh, you know, to be competing for the playoffs, let alone probably in the playoffs. It's, it's pretty impressive. Now, they built a team, and this always translates, right? When you're good in the trenches, they have a good offensive line. And they lost an offensive lineman. Well, they drafted in the second round Landon Dickerson from Alabama, who's coming off ACL, who's really good. They've had a they have a really good defensive line, and they lost one of their better players early on in the season in Brandon Graham. But the infrastructure, the coaching staff he put together, definitely offensively, he can coach. You know, he comes. Think of where Sirianni comes from. Frank Reich, Philip Rivers, throwing the football. Right. I mean, it's they've run a drop back passing game. And him able to kind of institute, I, I would say more of a collegiate, what they did at Oklahoma style with the Eagles has been really, really impressive. And the other thing sometimes you get with young offensive coaches, it can be hit or miss, is your team's not that tough. Uh, and part of it, when you run the ball a lot, like the Eagles do, you add some toughness. Like, they're a tough team. Now, they've benefited from playing in the division, taking advantage of the Giants, taking advantage yesterday. I guess the Giants beat them earlier in the season. But they beat the Saints. They beat the Broncos, who aren't terrible. Um, obviously, you know, they're going to probably sweep the football team. They did get throttled early on the season against Dallas. Uh, now, obviously, week 18 against Dallas in Philly. It's hard to tell with two weeks remaining who's going to play guys, the seeding. There's still a lot up in the air in the NFC. 
will it'll be interesting. Obviously, Green Bay, uh, more than likely, if they win these, I mean, it's not more than likely, if they win these last two games, they're going to be the one seed. But then the seeding with Tampa, Dallas, and the Rams, assuming the Rams are going to win the division, which I'm going to assume, uh, we'll get a better feel for what's going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I give the Eagles a lot of credit. And I, I think, you know, I, I get some DMs. You know, I don't know. He probably won't win the uh, coach of the year. But I think if you voted for Sirianni coach of the year, especially if they win these last two games, and again, Dallas could sit everybody and they could get to 10 wins by, you know, <laughs> pretty easily. Uh, that, that is a really, really impressive thing to do when you started two and five. And then on the other end, one of the biggest stories in the league, uh, I guess over the weekend, was the Giants announcing, maybe they didn't announce, but indirectly they did through the media, that Joe Judge and Daniel Jones will be uh, returning to the Giants. Uh, let's start with the coach. I understand where they're coming from. This would be their third straight coach that they fired after two years. That's not an ideal situation. Now, McAdoo was a disaster. You had to fire him. Shermer, you never should have hired him in the first place. But this was a pretty big, bold swing for the fences, right? When they hired Joe Judge, unless you're like some diehard Alabama or Patriot fan, I I don't know if a lot of us knew exactly who the guy was. Or you're a Mississippi State fan and you had watched him play in college. Because I I didn't. And I follow, I do this for a living. And I was like, who? What? So it was a somewhat out-of-nowhere hire. But... Now they're going to be in this weird spot of Gettleman's done. We already know that. Gettleman is going to be fired. So does the next general manager have to, at minimum, spend one year with Joe Judge and almost evaluate him a little bit like uh, George Patton is doing with Vic Fangio? And then if he has another down season, you just immediately fire him and then you get to hire your own guy? Is that an ideal situation to be in? Now, there is, when you're losing, you know, who is he to dictate any terms? Does Joe Judge get to influence the general manager hiring? Because to me, that's a major question mark. Because if you're letting him, a guy that has not won many games, and whose team, let's face it now, they have serious issues at the quarterback position, which he doesn't necessarily pick the players, his general manager does, but they're getting throttled every week. You know, gutless might be strong, but effort is pretty questionable as the season has gone on. And that happens to bad teams. But part of keeping a guy who's losing is like, well, is his team fighting? Do you want to go to war with this guy? What is the deal? And I, I think right now you could question that. Now, one thing I've heard from my buddies in the league is like there are some teams like the Jags, right, who are just poorly coached and were poorly coached all season. And then you get a team like the Giants who they say actually fundamentally pretty, you know, not a poor, you know, the, the coaching isn't as bad as some of the lower level teams. They do have some fight or at least they did up until the last couple of weeks. But they just don't have that much talent. And so it's easy to blame the general manager. But in one offseason, are you going to fix this thing? Because whenever you say something about a quarterback returning, I don't put that much stock in. Like Daniel Jones returning, he's under contract. You're not going to cut him. You've already paid him all this guaranteed money when he's the number six overall quarterback. The question is, and there was some breaking news today, Jimmy Garoppolo sprained his hand. So it's not a serious injury, but who knows? Maybe Jimmy misses the rest of the season. To me, Jimmy Garoppolo is the Giants written all over him. You bring in him, you have him compete with Daniel Jones, and Jimmy beat him out. <laughs> but I, I do not believe, or at least I will be pretty shocked if Daniel Jones is the New York Giants' opening day starter in 2022. Especially with Gettleman, probably the only believer in Daniel Jones, gone from the building. Especially when you get a new general manager in. And if Joe Judge is still the coach, he's going to have influence on who's a starting quarterback. 
especially because, you know, at his core, he is a former quarterback, coached some wide receivers, even though he's known for a special teams coach. Uh, I, I actually think that Jimmy Garoppolo in New York makes a lot of sense, but I, I just don't, I, I'm not quite sure how they're going to do this whole general manager thing. You just independently l- let the guy interview the guy without Joe Judge around? Does he get to influence? I always hate when they're off kilter. And that's what the Giants are about to be, off kilter. Uh, Matt Rule, who that team, I watched some of that game yesterday. They stink. I mean, the Carolina Panthers are awful. And I looked up today, because I, I, I sometimes I think I throw out the wrong number. They gave him seven years, $62 million. So basically $9 million a year for Matt Rule. Now, in fairness, that was based on what he was making at Baylor. And he was making a lot of money at Baylor. So it's not like he was making $3 million in college and they gave him a $6 million a year raise. That's not what happened. He was making huge cash in Baylor. He was comfortable there. They had to spend a lot of money to get him. I do not blame David Tepper for hiring him. A lot of people were interested in Matt Rule. It was the right type guy to be on. Now, I also think he was known for being an NFL coach. He had spent one year in his career as an assistant offensive line coach with the Giants. It's not like he had been in the league. Like Mel Tucker, people are like, he's an NFL guy. Google Mel Tucker's resume. Spent a lot of time. Right when Pete Carroll went back to Seattle, or, or went to Seattle, left SC, he had spent a lot of time in the NFL. Like there are some people, like Steve Mariucci, coached at Cal for one year, but had been with the Packers for a long time. Right, and then he coached the Niners, and then he coached the Lions. Like he was an NFL guy. To me, Rule was a college guy, and there's clearly it's a challenge because they're completely different industries. But like Ryan Day, I'll give Ryan Day some credit. He spent several years in the National Football League as a position coach, not an assistant position coach, as the position coach. Now, when I say Ryan Day, and I personally think of Ryan Day, I think of him more as a college coach. And some guys like what's Pete Carroll? Pete Carroll's done both. Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's done it both. Matt Rule, so far, successful college coach, having major issues in the NFL. Now, he compared the Panthers uh, to Jay-Z, and it took Jay-Z seven years. I I don't know if he's at the Jay-Z part in his life when Jay-Z was, like, selling crack, uh, because I'm pretty sure Jay-Z hit it pretty big pretty early on. I'd have to go to Jay-Z's Wikipedia page. But anytime you compare yourself to Jay-Z, probably, you know, top three or four most successful individual in his field... I think it's a pretty bold stretch because right now, Matt Rule, you're like vanilla ice, but you don't even have, you're not even a one hit wonder. You haven't had any success in the league. You went five and five and 11 last year. You're five and 10. And there's a pretty good chance you're going to end the season at five and 12. Now, ultimately, they can't get the quarterback position right. Uh, last year, they didn't have one. This year, they made a trade for Sam Darnold. He wasn't any good. They had to, uh, you know, kind of scrap him. They re signed Cam Newton, which I said at the time was kind of a PR stunt. And let's face it, it kind of was. The problem is Cam's not any good, so the PR stunt after the first week kind of dwindles. No one cares. And I don't really know how you overcome this, how you fix the problem. Because how do you get a quarterback? You're stuck because you picked up his fifth-year option with Sam Darnold on the books. So now that you're stuck with him on the books, what do you do? I I, I don't know the answer to that. But I I don't really know how they ever become Jay-Z. Like, how do they become just a guy that can sell some albums. Like, how could they? How could he become some artist that anyone would want to listen to? Because right now, they're unwatchable with, let's face it, not much hope in sight. You know, they, they, they really don't have... And the other thing is, whenever you have a new owner like this, and Dave Tepper, I think, has a lot of parallels to Steve Ballmer, 
just unlimited amount of wealth. Obviously, Ballmer's richer than Tepper, but big ego, smartest guy in the room, always the most successful guy. It's very, very hard, at least in basketball. He could, you know, they made a move for Kawhi Leonard, right? There is no Kawhi Leonard to be had. Like, who are, Aaron Rodgers ain't coming to the Carolina Panthers. Aaron, uh, Russell Wilson, who I think we have to question, like, Russell Wilson kind of sucks right now. We'll get into him a little bit later. Uh, but I, I just don't know how you improve that spot. You're paying your running back. Who Listen, when the guy's healthy, I love Christian McCaffrey. Who doesn't? He's a stud. He's just always injured. So you got a lot of money tied up in him. You're, you just, you have no quarterback. And there's no way to fix that thing overnight. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to a game that was near and dear to my heart because I put uh, several shackles on the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. They're playing the Texans. The Texans have 75 guys on COVID list. They have a rookie quarterback. They have a bunch of role players who are starting. And you're like, you know, Chargers, big game. They Going into the game, they're one of the playoff wildcard teams. They got Justin Herbert. You're like, they're going to kill these guys. The number by kickoff was almost 12 points. They were huge, huge favorites. And I didn't think it was that crazy. And then by about midway through the game, before halftime, I knew I was screwed. Now, I didn't think the Chargers were necessarily going to lose the game, but I knew they weren't going to cover. And by the second half, the the Houston Texans throttled the Chargers. That was a good old-fashioned ass-kicking. And here's the thing with Brandon Staley. It's pretty pretty easy to play the media. And I noticed one thing he did early on in his in his tenure is he called all the media members by names, the, all the all the scribes in the press conferences. Like that's a go-to move to get them to like you. Now it's an easy one, but also to me it can be a little fraudulent. Like if you watch Belichick, you watch Andy, they might call some guys by names. They've known them for 20 years. You know, Brandon Staley first on the job, it's like he's almost too smart for the room and he's playing it's very it's a very political type move. And again, I noticed this stuff probably more than most, but he said something a couple weeks ago that just made me want to puke in my mouth. Joey Bosa had got his, had got, has got his bell rung. And obviously, anytime that you have a potential concussion, you go right to the independent neurologist. This is no longer the Junction Boys. This is no longer Bill Walsh and Bill Parcells grabbing you and telling you to get back into the game. That has been legislated out. So when you have a potential concussion, you go to the neurologist. And wherever your team lives, like the 49ers, their neurologists are coming from Stanford. When you play in LA, your doctors are probably coming from UCLA. Dallas, I'm sure it's like TCU, right? You just, the top academic doctors from all the different regions, right? And Brandon Staley, they ended up not putting him back in the game, even though he cleared protocols. And he said something after the game that I was like, give me a break. He's like, as long as I'm the head coach here, I will always you know, lean on not putting a guy back in the game. And the media loved it. They, he had them eaten out of their hand. It's like, bro, you're not teaching life lessons here. You're not saving people's lives. If the doctor gives you the go-ahead, every single coach around the league puts the guy back in the game. Hell, it happened to Bosa's brother the other week. Nick, I think two weeks ago, had something, might have got a concussion, goes to the independent neurologist and says he's good to go. Nick comes back in the game. But when Brandon said that, as long as I'm the head coach here, it's like, give me a fucking break. You've been in the league five years, buddy. Stop acting like you're reinventing the wheel here, my man. You're you're eight and seven. You're underachieving. You're a defensive guy, and your team gets their ass kicked on defense every single week. Your star quarterback that literally every GM except like four in the league would do anything to get their hands on right now can be a little hit or miss. It's a little weird. He did not play well in that game. He was better last season start to finish. Now, they've had some injuries or whatever. But to me, this Brandon Saley guy is the apple of the media's eye. They love the guy. Yet I watch him coach. He's a defensive guy. His defense blows. I mean, I think the Texans almost ran for 200 yards. 
Arian Foster ain't walking through that door. <laughs> it was Rex Burkhead. It was some guys that Davis Mills throwing to. I'll be honest, I've never heard of because most people haven't. I mean, the Texans have a, a random guys on the team. Destroyed the Chargers. And it was a big game. It, it's not like the Chargers are 12 and 3, and that game wasn't going to happen. Like they were going to the playoffs no matter what. Like they got to win. Losing the Texans, at one point in time, they're down like three scores in the second half. The score ended up being closer because they got some hollow touchdown. So I, I just, I think the Brandon Staley love, we need to pump the brakes a little bit. Now, it might not be all his fault. They've drafted several guys on defense the last couple of years in the top 50. They're not playing very well. But isn't that why you hire Brandon Staley? He's their defensive coordinator. I say this all the time with experience. Experience matters. There's only so many Sean McVeighs, and even Sean McVeigh. When Sean McVeigh got hired by the Chargers, I think he was 32 or 33 years old, he had been in the league for a decade. A decade. He'd been a coordinator for several years for Jay Gruden. He'd worked for Jay Gruden. He'd worked for Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan. And he'd worked for John Gruden. Brandon Staley had been in the league before he became a head coach for five seasons. Sean McVay had worked double the amount of time. Now, he was younger when he got hired than Brandon Staley, but he was definitely more equipped. He had been in the league longer. Hell, he had been, you know, I, I think, I don't know if he technically ever was, but he had been part of staffs that were fired. So Brandon Staley, to me, I think it's fair to say, is he a little over his head? Nobody can give a better press conference calling uh, the local LA Times writer by his first name. Saying some comment that will get 50,000 retweets like, this is my guy. But yet when we actually play the games, the way we judge you on Sundays is wins and losses. Everything else is fluff. It's all bullshit. None of it matters. Do you win or do you lose? And right now, you inherited a team. Last year, they went 7-9. and nine. And we say no team in the league underachieved like the Chargers. Well, right now, I mean, are they going to end up 8-9? Because if they did, hell, even 9-8 and eight feels like a pretty average season given the talent they had on their team. Especially when you factor in how terrible their defense is. How do they have the same record right now as the, as the Raiders? The Raiders coach was fired five games into the season over emails that, that were his, but it was part of an investigation that he had nothing to do with. Their star wide receiver killed somebody, is going to go to jail for decades. Their other corner, who a first round pick who wasn't any good, they had to cut because he had machine guns and an Instagram. And they're eight and seven? They're eight and seven. You have Herbert, Keenan Allen, Bosa. I know he didn't play yesterday, but still, you have all these top picks and you're struggling to win games? I, I, I just don't get it. But like the, he, everyone wants to love this guy, but I'm just judging him on his results. And his results are pretty average. Hell, literally average. Eight and seven. I mean, you're either eight and seven, seven and eight. Like that's, that's average at this point in time in the year. The other thing that I was thinking a lot about today was that uh, I give the Rams a lot of credit. They made a huge swing for Matt Stafford. And listen, anything you do in life is risky. You know, getting in your car to go pick up your children is risky, right? You get hit. Uh, having children is risky. Taking a job is risky. Eating food is risky. You, you don't know who cooked it, especially if you go pick it up, right? You have no clue. Literally, everything you do in life has some risk to it. And obviously in business, you have to take risks to, to make progress, right? If you don't, you will stay in the slow lane and you will get past. So I admired their willingness to take a huge swing. 
And I have always been a Stafford believer. Obviously, new people with Chicago Bears who played him for years. They sing his praises, how talented he is. Most of us don't watch that much Lions football. Beside Thanksgiving and occasionally, they've only been good a couple times in his career. But if, if you follow the NFL, you knew his physical attributes are pretty special. And then I, I've known a couple guys that have played with Matt Stafford. They love the guy. He's easy to root for. I am a Matt Stafford, the person fan. But as a player, one thing I've thought about this year, just watching him play, is that maybe I've overvalued him a little bit. Like, listen, the Rams and the Niners took huge swings. And obviously, there was way more data on Matt Stafford, right? He had been in the league for a decade. He had had he had won games. Like, you knew. Trey Lance might, might have been one of the biggest Hail Marys in the history of the draft, just based on he'd only been a one-year starter, uh, he had played one game because of COVID the following year. It, it was a, both are huge risks, but at least there's a lot of unknown with Trey Lance. He may turn out to suck. There is, and hell, he might have to start the last couple weeks. So we'll learn a little bit how far he's come, but we have no idea how good or bad the guy's going to be. But I think we got a pretty good idea with Matt Stafford, who he is. He has a massive arm. He can make some enormous plays. He's a good athlete. He can keep plays alive. He will turn over the ball. The, the picks he threw, he has three games this year where he has double-digit turnover, double-digit interceptions. I don't know how, and the Rams clearly are going to have to play three games to get to the Super Bowl, right? They're not going to be the number one seed, even though they've had a good season. And they've won 11 games. There's a decent chance they end up with 13. Again, it's hard to tell that last week who's going to play guys. I, I think they are, uh, they play the Ravens this week. I'm going to give them a win there. We don't know if Lamar's going to play. At worst, they're going to be 12 and 5. They could rest everyone the following week. 12-5 and five is a really good season. But, like, when you watch Stafford, I get nervous a little bit when I watch him. And I'm not... He, he makes some plays that are, like, rookie-level decisions. Now, part of it could be new offense, whatever. That's what I kept telling myself early on in the season. Like, it's past Christmas. What are we doing here, Matt? Like, there were a couple plays in that game, and he said it after the game. How's he making that throw? I'm not expecting him to play like Aaron Rodgers. Just throw no picks just completely take care of the ball at all costs while making extraordinary plays. Part of the deal with Matt Stafford, he's going to turn the ball over a little bit. I, I, I can live with that. His turnovers, though, can look like Zach Wilson or Jimmy Garoppolo, right? It's, it's Now, can he, over the offseason, more practice, can he get that to go away? I don't know. Only time will tell. But right now, I, I know this. And again, I, I understand why they did it, and I would have done it too in their shoes. It was the right move. But I wonder if you were sitting there, you poured a couple, uh, you know, double Tito sodas with Sean McVay, put your feet up over his nice multi-million dollar pad that overlooks Los Angeles, and just started talking football with him and talking his team. If he'd tell you, you know, I didn't quite realize some of these boneheaded decisions the guy would make. I thought once we got him in our infrastructure with a better team, he would just be better, you know? Now, but he hasn't. And I, I don't know how you can trust him in some of these games. I was thinking about if I was going to rank the quarterbacks in the NFC going into the playoffs, there's obviously Brady and Rodgers, who are in a different stratosphere than everyone else in the NFC. I would then go, and it, it, obviously these are going to be the four teams that are going to win the division. I would take Dak Prescott, Dakota Prescott, over Matt Stafford. If I had to have one quarterback, that's why I, I would hitch my wagon to the Cowboys over the Rams. Just because I trust Dak more. And Dak can do some dumb things too. But I would say over the life of his career, he's a more trustworthy player than Matt. Now, Matt's been playing longer, but his you cannot have a multi-pick game 
against the Cowboys, against the Packers, against the Bucks, and win. You will lose in the playoffs. You can do it against Minnesota, who was hanging on for dear life. And he tried to keep him in the game, but he does that like several, like if you watch them all season long, I'm not going to agree with the people that thought he was super, super overrated. But I'm also like, I am no longer of the camp that he's like an underrated, he's not a gem because we all know who the guy was, but I'm somewhere in the middle. He's a very talented player who is probably going to let you down. Now he's going to have the you know chance to shut us all up, but I, I will be stunned. I, I think it'll be hard for them to, I, I could see them getting bounced in the second round, especially if they have to go on the road. Uh, a couple other stories from this. Russell Wilson, I mentioned it earlier. Like, listen, he's been back now from the hand injury for a while. He looks like he used to be, he was never Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson. That wasn't his style as a runner, but he was a very, very effective runner. He does, he can't run anymore. He looks slow. You know, now I wouldn't say he's fat because he's always been thick, but he just looks like a slower version of himself. Now, whether he's carrying extra weight, whether it's just age, whether it's just he doesn't want to run, I don't know. I, I can't put my finger on it. But I have been watching Russell Wilson very closely his entire career. Obviously, I get all the NFC West games just living in the West, in California. So I probably get just on my national feed, I don't know, it feels like 10 of the 16 games a year of Russell Wilson. And then he just naturally plays in a lot of primetime games. He looks terrible right now. Now, I, there was some scuttlebutt on the internet. Like, if he does ask for a trade, his trade value, he's still going to go for a lot because he's still 33 years old. His body of work speaks for itself. But I do think it's fair to say, to be like, would you be a little more nervous? Like, just a little nervous because part of Russell Wilson has been his athleticism. Even though he, I, I never considered him a runner. He was more of a scrambler to throw it, a little bit like Aaron Rodgers. They scramble a lot behind the line of scrimmage to then make throws. When I watch him do that, now one, his accuracy is way off. He makes some throws. Historically, when Russell Wilson would roll to the left or the right, turn, set his feet, and let it rip, I'd always think there's a 30, 40, 50-yard completion. There were a couple times, and I get it was snowing in Seattle, where the ball just overflew the wide receiver by like 15 yards. I'm like, this is not the Russell Wilson that I know and love. He is, you know, Steve Young was easily my favorite player growing up. Him or Favre, but I, I was a Niner fan growing up, so I was, I gravitated towards Steve. And I always said that Russell was like the modern day Steve. You know, he was super athletic, but he was so accurate and he was just such a playmaker. And he was just such a winning player. Now, Steve I was a better player, but Russell was pretty remarkable. You know, especially given how fast the NFL has become the last, you know, five, six years, so much speed on the field that he could always play fast yet play under control. It's way off. Now, it might just be simple as season from hell. We, we've seen it from players, right? Phillip Rivers, like seven, eight years ago, had a season that looked like, is this guy's career over? I think it was like 33, 34 at the time. And then he had like four or five bounce back years. So I, I'm not trying to write the guy off. He works too hard. He cares about football too much. But it can't be disputed that he has been ba- pretty terrible this season. Like, looked very, very off. And we judge, like, we judge Steph Curry. We judge Garrett Cole. We judge Bryce Harper. We judge Devontae Adams. Like, Russell Wilson, the best players in sports, they get judged at a higher level. We nitpick them differently. 
It's always why when like people get mad, like why are we being so hard on these, you know, uh, these quarterbacks in the draft process? Because these teams are going to hitch their wagon. The franchise is going to invest literally the franchise into the player. So you better nitpick. Like I don't nitpick defensive linemen. Like I don't care if they're a little dumber, if they skip some class in college, if they're not the nicest guy. Do they rush the passer? Because if they do, I want them on my team. Like I, I can have a uh, a wide receiver be a little all over the place emotionally. Doesn't bother me. But my quarterback, like I, I'm, I'm shooting for Rodgers, for Brady, for Mahomes, Josh Allen, like I, I, Lamar Jackson. Like we're talking high level talents and high level people. And I, Russell Wilson always fell into that category. But now his talent, again, it might just be a one off season. But it's 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 off right now. Uh, Got to give the Texans some credit. You know, I we all. Made fun of them all offseason. What's his name? The evangelist, you know, who's preaching that they were going to not win a game. Like like the Lions, they've won more games than the Lions. They never know won four. They've played really hard. And like, I, I don't want to say they got something, but they definitely might have a little something in Davis Mills. The quarterback for uh, from Stanford, who on my other podcast, we had talked to David Shaw during the draft process. He kept just hammering home. Like, this guy, I, he, David Shaw's been around a lot of NFL players that he's produced. David Shaw worked in the NFL. And obviously, Davis Mills had injuries in college. But you watch him play, like, he looks pretty good as a third-round pick. Like, he does. And it's not like the Texans are good. So, Zach Wilson has not looked good. You know, Trevor Lawrence has not looked that great. Right? Justin Fields has been very hit or miss. Well, the Texans fall into that category of just not being a great team. And these last couple weeks, he's been pretty consistent. Got to give David Culley some credit. I'm a guy that, you know, I've known him when I've worked with Philly. He was Andy Reid's wide receiver coach, one of the nicest guys in the world. I didn't think he was going to be a good head coach. I'm not saying he's a good head coach, but the guys are, say, him and Dan Campbell, like his, their teams play hard for them. That, that can't be argued. That goes back to the Joe Judge thing. It's like when we're judging you, we're not even judging you on wins and losses, but you're definitely just not winning games. So, uh, or excuse me, it's we're not judging you on the wins and losses, but we do judge you on the effort. And the effort has been there for the Texans. It really has. Also, last but not least, the Raiders. It really, you got to tip your hat to the just their their interim head coach, the guys that are playing. You know, Darren Waller hasn't played in forever. He's been injured. But Max Crosby, Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs. Uh, I don't think they're going to win these next two games. They go to Indy. They're like a 10-point underdog. Then they play the Chargers the final week of the season. I think that game's in uh, in Vegas. So maybe they could win that game, even though they'll be, I'm sure, an underdog in that game as well. But just getting to eight, potentially nine wins is a pretty remarkable accomplishment given, one, just how dysfunctional their organization is. I mean, they have, you know, Dan Snyder, Mark Davis. I mean, it's just one of the worst owners in the league. Uh, Not necessarily because he's not a meddler or anything, but it's just his resume speaks for itself. And then all the things they went through from Gruden to Henry Ruggs, uh, I mean, they had to sign Deshaun Jackson in the middle of the season. Uh, their offensive line, like Leatherwood, the guy they drafted in the first round, is terrible. And they just compete. You know, Rich Piscaccia, there's a reason that every single former NFL player who had been around him swears by him, loves him, called him a foxhole guy. They have not tapped out. They have not quit. And somehow, you know, going into uh, basically 2022, the the Vegas Raiders are still alive for a playoff spot. I I, I would not have seen that coming uh, whatever, three months ago, or I guess probably even less than that, two months ago. So, so props to them. Adios.
the volume. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 